Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is June 9th, 2022, and this is episode 343. My name is Jake English. And I'm Scott Magnus. And on this week's show, we'll try to avoid the puddles as we go around the bases. And um, we'll also update you on, on this week's episode of everyone's favorite courtroom drama, Baltimore Legal. And we'll do all that right after we lubricate the show. That's right. It's time for the drink of the week. Scotty, what are you drinking? Uh, Jake, I've got some uh, Hendrix gin, uh, some uh, simple syrup, um, some ginger beer, and just a dash of just ground ginger in here as well. So um, nice little gin meal for this evening. I like it. I like it. Scotty, I'm very excited about my beverage. Very excited? Yeah, I'm, I, I think you're going to like this. I think your respect for me is only going to go through the roof. Um, doubtful, but let's go ahead. Scotty, I'm not drinking a Michelob Ultra. Okay. I'm drinking a Michelob Ultra infusions. Oh, wow. So you're doing like CBD and stuff like that. Lime and prickly oh. pear cactus. Be- beg your pardon? Lime and prickly pear cactus. If ever a drink summarized American University, it'd be a prickly pear Michelob. Scotty, this beer is, is described as a light lager with real fruit and natural fr- flavors. That is exactly the description of an American University student. Um, thoughts? Eh. It's it's light beer, mm-hmm. and it has a lime-ish flavor. And it's USDA organic, apparently. <laughs> it is USDA organic. It's for when you are feeling like uh, you need something healthier than a Bud Light lime. Is it healthier? Eh. eh. Well, if you're interested to see what we're drinking, uh, you can find us on Untapped. I'm at Jake E4025. I'm at MEJN8606. And with that, let's go ahead and uh, nurse our injuries right over into the medical way. Time for your checkup. Time for your checkup. I'm going to check your ears, check your eyes, find out how much you've grown. Time for your checkup. Gonna listen to your heartbeat, fix you up, ready to go. Scotty, not a whole lot new since last week. We've got a, a couple of injuries uh, worth talking about. I want to start with Joey Crable, who uh, is on the 15-day IL. And i got to be honest, I've been pleasantly surprised with Crable's uh, contributions in the bullpen. Yeah, he's been not bad. And um, again, I know this one hurts specifically for you, and we'll get to that later in the show. Um, some other ones was Spencer Watkins did kind of do his some of his rehab assignments, but then was promptly kind of, you know, put onto an option basis. Um, so tough break for him, but again, we'll see what happens with him coming back in the future. Um, and I think that's about it. I mean, there really wasn't any other major injuries, right? No, of course not. Yeah. I mean, nothing to discuss as we discussed on last week's episode, everything was going to be fine. It was just cramps. Everything's fine. Yeah, we'll get to that other sore topic um, a little bit later in the podcast. Wait, what? John Means is hurt? John Means is hurt. He's His heart is hurting right now. Uh, let's get into any characters less this week on the Twitters. Jake, why don't you go ahead and uh, start us off? I want to start with a tweet from Stephen Adams, who, of course, tweets at Stephen P. Adams. Adley barrel something equals out. Adley half swing equal single. He'll take it. Yeah, this was a uh, this was a tweet in reference to the game on June seventh, where Adley got a weak doink of a single to right field after uh, no luck with hitting the ball hard. Yeah, we've been busy as of late, and um, some of you have noticed that. In fact, one uh, particular fan um, has noticed that we haven't been, in essence, uh, giving our, our our calling card as a words of um, you know putting a bird on it. Um, so Stefan Frank, you can follow him at Stefan A. Frank, uh, you know, came in and helped us out a little bit. Um, he says, I'm pinch putting a bird on it at Bird's Eye View BAL. So Stefan, thanks so much for being our Delman Young. Ooh, wait. Too soon. Too soon. Way too soon. Our next tweet comes to us from Rockabaco, who tweets at Mass and Rock. And he tweets as follows. Hashtag Orioles promoted Eve Rosenbaum to assistant GM baseball operations. We'll oversee roster management, transactions, financial planning, and MLB operations and administration. 
plus her role in player evaluation and acquisition across the pro and amateur markets. All right. I mean, this is this is great to see. I mean, basically, you've got a female being promoted into kind of an upper level organizational position, um, reporting directly into um, Mike Elias. Um, I don't think it's quite the same as a Sigma Dell, but again, it's 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 right there is basically to describe it. So good to see. Um, good to see that the Orioles are kind of maintaining some, you know, talent. Um, also, you know, just looking at it. Uh, Jake, an individual now that uh, once again is in a position um, of high authority that is still is much younger than us is the best way to describe it, too. So where is Darren O'Day when you need him? And why is he not pitching? Why is he not pitching? Um, but yeah, seriously, this is great. Great. And like I said, I'm glad that the Orioles are taking this proactive approach and, uh, you know, take looking out and basically making sure that there is a well representation of diversity, equity and inclusion uh, within their front office. We danced around it in the medical wing, but I feel like we've got to discuss the topic at hand, uh, along with a few other ones that have come up over the past week in Birdland. Let's go ahead around the bases and uh, you know cover a few of those topics at this time. All right, so when we last left, we were... When we last left our heroes. When we last... Well, no, we're not heroes. Um, when we last I left... I am wearing a cape. Uh, it was uh, last week. We were actually in the conversation specifically about Grace Rodriguez, and we were discussing, you know, the injury watch, as it were, that was occurring that evening. Um, and then, you know... Live while we were on the air. Live while it was on the air. Um, and we signed off with some information that had came out at the very end indicating that Grayson Rodriguez was removed with cramping. Um, you know, sources say that it's not that big of a deal, nothing to worry about. And uh, we here at Birds of You um, sighed a great um, relief, is the best way to describe it, and say, whew, dodged a bullet there. Um, Scott, you lied to the people. I, I did lie to you the people. You lied to the people, both of them. Then it came out that Grayson Rodriguez was going to travel to Baltimore to go see some doctors, which, again, if it was just cramps, not a good sign, but again, maybe the Orioles were just being overly cautious. Some serious cramps. Some serious cramps. Um, about to say, we see some serious cramps every so often. But um, anyway, uh, you know, Michael Elias came out um, and, you know, at a 5 o'clock p.m. press conference and indicated kind of what we were hoping not to hear, which was, you know, Grayson Rodriguez was diagnosed with a, a grade 2 latch strain. Um, and again, he was going to be out for, you know, a significant amount of time, um, you know, looking at, you know, data that's present out there, you know, generally it's a matter where, you know, a grade two strain normally takes around three months of recovery, um, being June, um, three months we're entering into September. Um, it's, you know, a really unfortunate matter. Um, but, you know, Michael Elias had mentioned specifically of like, it's just really bad timing. Um, it's never good timing when one of your top prospects goes down like this, but you kind of felt like Grayson Rodriguez was going to be coming up in the very, very near future and probably the next start, honestly. Um, so to get so close and then be kind of shut down, it's got to be kind of a kick in the teeth. Um, I guess my question is three month recovery. Um, he's obviously got to be kind of shut down for a while and he can't even be pitching during this time period. Um, are you bringing him back for 2022 and are you giving him a, some time on the major league roster, even if it's for one or two starts? So, um, you know, this is not a service time question. No, I would. If, if, if he's healthy, if it's not a rush, if it's, you know, if there's no chance of hurting him, then I would absolutely bring him up for a cup of coffee so that his time with the team in 2023 doesn't have that, debut jitter component to it yeah i mean um i i I tend to agree and i think the question i raise is if you call him up to the major league roster are you actually going to use him to basically try to build some innings or are you just saying we're going to put put him in the bullpen and use him as a relief arm i mean i would have him start just to stay on his schedule right to to do what he's comfortable with but you know, they'll obviously have an idea of what they want him to throw and how, how long. And, 
you know, even <laughs> at the major league level with what we're seeing with some of the starts, if he were put on a five inning limit uh, or something, you know, ridiculous like that, he wouldn't stand out that much from some of his, uh, you know, his comrades in the starting rotation. Yeah. Um, I, I want to see Grayson Rodriguez pitch this year. Um, I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't think so either. I, I just think that for his development, I think it's better to get his feet wet in a lost, meaningless season rather than dealing with all of the things that come with, you know, coming to the major league level while we're trying to get wins for real. Yeah. I think that's the big question in my mind. And the kind of the, the thing that I'm trying to not sour myself on is, you know, we were supposed to have, we'll call it three months with the Grayson Rodriguez to kind of get his feet wet. And, you know, we talked about 2023, you know, being that potential season where you're going to start to start stringing wins together. And Grayson Rodriguez was definitely going to play a role in that. With John Means now being out for a pre- predominant portion of 2023, and with Grayson Rodriguez, in essence, coming in to start, you know, without much, you know, innings pitch for 2022, it's really starting to stack the deck heavy against 2023. I think you're you're failing to acknowledge our secret weapon, which is Jordan Lyles. <laughs> it's true. I mean, um, we do have Jordan Lyles, I guess, is a good way to put it. But um, yeah, I guess it is. Carl it, Bradish. Carl Bradish is another one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's tough for me is the best way to put it. Um, it's just tough. It's just, it's a bitter pill to swallow. Um, and then I, I don't know what the orders are going to do, but it kind of puts a distaste in my mouth going forward for 2023. I hear that. And, and I know that it's easy as an Orioles fan to be pessimistic, but, but I will say that if this is an injury where the timetable for returning to pitching is three months, if we're looking at, you know, next year, yeah, what, 10 months from now. Yeah. I think we're okay. Can I tell you what it feels like to be an Orioles fan? Show me on this doll where it hurts. This is what it feels like to be an Orioles fan. To me, being an Orioles fan is having to come up to the plate every single time to Nickelback. Every single at bat. We're going to get hate mail from Derek. (laughs) I mean, it literally is just... It's like Sisyphus pushing the boulder up the hill and the boulder immediately coming right back down. All right, let's round first base and head into second base. Scotty, I want to talk about the 2022 Major League Baseball All-Star Game. Voting began yesterday, and so Can we get back to episode one? Do we have to? (laughs) (laughs) That leads me to the most important question of All-Star Game season. Scotty, who is going to be the Orioles' pity pick for the All-Star Game? Um, Austin Hayes. Okay. I like that answer. They're, He's certainly they're, playing like there's nobody that is going to be selected to be a starter for the for for the American League. Um it's gonna be Austin Hayes. Hang on a sec. In order to have this conversation, I need some prickly pear. Sure. Um you don't know that. I do know that. You don't know that, Scott, all of the other outfielders forever could get hurt. That's true. They could get hurt. Um, just like last year. Just like last year, but um call me pessimistic. I, um, I'm going to go with Austin Hayes and just say Austin Hayes is going to ride at the bench. Um, and then he is going to enter the game as a pinch runner. Um, and then immediately, um, the game is going to be called because of rain. (laughs) Um, no, I, I think that they're going to, they're going to show pictures of Austin Hayes warming up in the dugout with his helmet on ready to be a pinch runner. And then the game will will end before he's able to to enter. And Cito still sucks. Look, okay, so you think Austin Hayes is going to be the pity pick? I think Austin Hayes is going to be the pity pick. I mean, Austin Hayes, you know, makes the most amount of sense in terms of offensive production that he's putting out there. But he's like still the thirteenth ranked, you know, outfielder in all Major League Baseball. Whoa, 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 whoa! If you are using stats and like counting and measure, that's cheating. That is cheating. Let me ask you, yep. with all of your with all of your voodoo information over there, sure. are there any Orioles that are worthy of actually being at the All Star Game? Um, I 
as a, as a legitimate pick, mm-hmm. um, I think Trey Mancini is probably the most like legitimate. Um, but again, there's other really good players. Um, but I think Trey Mancini makes the most amount of sense for first base. Okay. Uh, last year, clearly the story for the all-star game when it came to the Orioles was Trey. Yes. Um, is there an Orioles angle for the all-star game this year? Is there any storyline for the Baltimore media desperate to make content? Absolutely. So, um, major league baseball is actually going to, um, send several players, um, to various different stadiums to hit. Um, apparently Anthony Santander is going to be sent to Wembley to, uh, hit in the international home run derby. Okay. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Uh, so the all-star game is, is happening. Here's, here's what I'm thinking. Yeah. This is a lost season. Yeah. The Orioles are absolutely, the Orioles are not winning this year. Yep. Whenever it happens. Yep. Whenever the Orioles come back, whenever that, that first winning season is, we need to Royals fans the crap out of the All-Star game. We could do that. Or we could just ignore that the All-Star game is a pointless exercise. Of course it's a pointless exercise, but it would still be really fun to Royals fans the crap out of it. Eh, I don't know. Why do you hate fun? It's the All-Star game. Is it fun? Yeah. Eh, I don't know about that. We are not the key demographic. We are, we're, we're, I Our don't know, sons are the key demographic. I don't even know if they're the key demographic anymore. That's the problem. Like, I don't know what the All-Star game is really bringing besides just Aaron Judge and Mike Trout out there. I mean, last year was kind of fun with Otani going out there and pitching and hitting, and that was fun to see. But I don't know. Like, what's the storyline this year? I just don't see it. Has yet to be written. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's leave second base. Let's head to third base. Scotty, I saw an interesting uh, series of tweets the other day when the Orioles got rained out or maybe when they were in, in the rain delay, noticing that the Orioles have changed the alternate programming from Cal's 3,000th hit to uh, 1996 ALDS Game 1 against the Cleveland, at the time, Indians. Um, and And we have made no secret of the fact that we both think that we could run mass and programming much more effectively than the folks that are doing it now. But so let's, let's provide a little free advice. Scotty, what would you do with alternate programming? If you're mass? This is easy. Cowboy monkey rodeo. <laughs> Clearly cowboy monkey rodeo. Only if, uh, Jeff Arnold is, is commenting on it. Yeah. Um, let's see if I had to, in essence, um, show highlights. I'll tell you something that's never shown, and okay. it's fun to watch every once in a while. But it's not truly an Orioles highlight, but it's something that I think would be good. And I think Orioles fans would watch it. I think they should play the 1994 All Star Game Home Run Derby. 94. 93. I'm sorry. 93. Yeah, yeah sure, yeah, sure. Yeah. No, I, I think that would be great. I, I, I was actually thinking about home run derbies. It would be cool if they did like clips of uh, the home run derby that Ripken won. 91. Right. The home run derby where didn't Tejada have a really strong yeah. performance? Didn't Trumbo, did Trumbo win that? Also? I don't think so. But he had a, he had a, he had a good performance. He had a good performance. You got Trey. You could make programming. Sure. Another uh, another bit of programming I I think would be better than than just some old game. I would love to see the uh, the buckle up birds like documentary. Documentary, yeah, yeah, that'd be a good one. I mean, you know, I need some more Jim Hunter in my life, but yeah, I I, I haven't I've yet to see that. Yeah, so I think that that would be you know e- easy for them to simply you know press play. I think that would be an easy one. Um, Another game that never comes up too is the the game in '89, um, where it's the why not game that's mm-hmm. never played. It's really weird. Like people yeah. always talk about it, but it's never played on TV. Yeah, I mean, at, at this point, you know, ALDS uh, game one uh, in '96 would be you know that's all fine and dandy. Give give us the 2012 
playoff games. Sure. You know, you know, give us the 2014 playoff games. Give us the 2016 AO wildcard game. Let's not, let's not do that. No. Let's, let's not. Do no. That. I think that a lot of mass and programming is a miss, clearly. But a key miss is that alternate programming that they throw us out to. Bird's Eye View listeners, what are we missing? What do you want to see when the tarp comes out on the field? The other thing I would mention, too, is watching an entire game, I think, is an antiquated basis. I think I'd rather see quick 15 to 20-minute segments of a given inning Mm -hmm. is the best way to put it. Um, You know, one example of that would be, like, innings that would be, you know, really fun. Obviously, you could go to, you know, the inning with the Delvin Young aspect and just watch the entire inning unfold, as it yeah. were. Um, and you're just not watching the highlight. Chris Davis pitching. Chris Davis pitching would be one. Um, the Timmy Martinez pickoff mm-hmm. inning mm-hmm. in the ninth is a really fun one to watch. And again, those innings generally last for, you know, 20 or so minutes. With the right kind of commercial breaks that you threw in there, it could be kind of interesting to watch. Um that's, I think, a better use of programming than to basically say, well, we're just going to block out these three <laughs> hours and we're never going to have to watch it unless the tape basically goes off is the best way to put it. So, um, yeah, like I said, things that you could be doing, Masson, um, to better engage a younger audience. Absolutely. All right. Um, so let's go to home plate. Um, something's happening this Sunday, Jake. Something magic, would you say? Um, I don't know about that. Um I would say, you know, just something is happening in the Baltimore area. What what what's happening on Sunday? Um I think it's your birthday. No, 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 no. No. But it is a it is a high holy day. Of course, this Sunday Paul McCartney, Sir Paul McCartney plays at Camden Yards in a convergence of all of my major interests in life. Uh and Scott, I'm starting to starting to buckle under the excitement are you starting to burst at the seams i was i was really holding myself together really well sarah has been very impressed with my self-control but that self-control has has ended that time is over so are you saying that as of sunday uh you got to get me into your life yes yes and and i i've already been called out on this i do apologize for all of the paul mccartney references that are about to happen on twitter i I cannot control myself. Not control himself. Not even a little bit. All right. So uh, I'm glad that you're super excited. Um, Some things that come to mind. Obviously, I'll be there. You'll be there. You'll be there with your your children, uh, partaking in that experience. Um, Whole family's gone. What could ruin the experience for you? Nothing. I disagree. I think there's one thing that can ruin this experience for you. I think if Paul McCartney walks out, and he's wearing the O's hat. <laughs> that may ruin the experience for you. It it would it would sour it a bit, but only a bit. Yeah. All right. So, you know, this is not going to be the first show that that Paul is doing on this given tour. Um, it's been you know multiple kind of you know tours at this point. Uh, so a set list has been kind of been floating around sure. for a while. Sure, sure, sure. Um, I know Jake, you have um, viewed it. You've looked at it. Um, you've analyzed it in the 10 years of bird's eye view. Um, there hasn't been this much statistical analysis done by Jake English. Never. But as it came to the Paul McCartney set list, I guarantee you there has been a significant, we'll call it analysis and or um, philosophical conversation about the set list. So Jake, um, turning that aspect to the set list, um, what are your thoughts about the set list? I'm really, time. I'm really surprised with how much wings is in the set list. I'm, and, and, and that's not, there's no disappointment there. Yeah. Like they're going to, he's going to play letting go, which is, is, you know, not in the, in the core, uh, Paul McCartney canon. There's a lot of, of really fun stuff on there. Like he's going to play 1985, right? Yep. Which is, you know, on band on the run. So it's not like it's a, it's a, you know, poorly known song, but just not one that you really see in rotation a lot. I, I'm kind of excited about, you know, some of the stuff that he, he's going to play. It's not exactly deep track. No. But it's fun. It's fun. All right. So looking at the set list, what is one song in the set list that you are super stoked to hear? Well, I mean, I, I mentioned uh, Letting Go. I, I think that, you know, clearly that'll be fun. Um, 
honestly, it's it's you know it's the Beatles stuff, right? I'm gonna be in a crowd of you know forty six thousand of my closest friends, and you know they're all gonna be singing along to Hey Jude, yeah, right. They're, they're all gonna be singing along to you know Let It Be to uh, you know at the at the end of the show, you know probably uh, close out with the the medley from uh, Abbey Road. People are going to be really into the experience, and I think for me, those are the songs that I'm going to be super excited about to experience. You know, the communal aspect of of the uh, of the concert. All right. So, with the positive, what is one song that you wish maybe wasn't on the set list that could have been replaced by something else? Okay, so I've I've thought a lot about this. Um, are you familiar with my Forbidden album? Yes. Okay. So for anybody who's listening that that is not familiar, um, I have a forbidden uh, Paul McCartney album. Which is pretty scandalous. Yeah. 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 Uh, there is a single Paul McCartney album that I have not listened to. Yeah. I'm, Again, very scandalous. I'm holding it in reserve. Um, sometime when I'm old and gray, there will be there will be a post-Paul McCartney world. And uh, when that happens... So in like three weeks. You're the worst <laughs> human ever. <laughs> Sometime in the post Paul McCartney world, I would like there to still be one new record for me to listen to, and so it's literally the album new. There's a 2013 yeah. release. I haven't heard it. I don't. I've never heard any song on the record, and he's been playing um, a song from that from that record, either uh, Queenie Eye or New. Um, and so I'm going to have to hear one of the songs from my Forbidden album. And so, uh, you know. Selfishly, I wish that was not there. Right. I, I completely understand. Uh, honestly, if I'm picking one song from the entire set list that I'm like, not super stoked for, uh, it's not a wing song. Uh, it's a Beatles song. Not a huge fan of being for the benefit of Mr. Kite. Mm. Okay. Well, I'm comfortable with you being wrong. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, if I had to knock another one off, it would be Dance Tonight. Dance Tonight. Of, uh, Dance Tonight's a good call. Yeah. yeah, Dance Tonight's a good one to potentially pull off. But uh, yeah, um, Benefit from Mister Kite is not a huge, huge one for me. But I'm, I'm really stoked. Uh, you, you will be in the building. I will be in the building. My, uh, I'll be right behind home plate. My wife and kids I, will be in attendance. My dad's gonna be there with my stepmom and my brothers. It's gonna be. A lot of fun. Now, Scotty, I I have a hope. Okay. okay? I went to go see uh, Paul McCartney in 2005. He was 63 at the time. He played for three hours. It was incredible. He was just, he blew away my expectations. And I said, you know, I'm never going to go back and see him because if he's a sad old man, it'll, it'll break my heart. And so I'm trying to I'm trying to temper my expectations of the fact that he's, he's going to turn 80 days after mm-hmm. we see him right and so you know he's going to be a 79 year old man playing uh two you know two to two and a half hours of music and i need to lower my expectations but looking at the set list i can't imagine with the perfectionist that he is that he would still be playing some of this stuff if he couldn't do it well I would agree with that aspect. I mean, uh, Helter Skelter is on this list. Yeah, Helter Skelter is on there. Um, I'm actually not a huge like fan of Helter Skelter, but it's a very proficient song, is the best way to put it. So, it is hard to sing in your 20s, absolutely. much less in your near yeah. 80s. So, um, it's a very impressive set list, is the best way to put it. I'm and really you're, hoping it's good. And you're absolutely right. Like, um, I think that we saw with the recent Peter Jackson documentary um, how much a perfectionist McCartney is. Um, sometimes to his detriment, um, is the best way to put it. But, um, yeah, it'll be a very interesting show, um, to watch and, and partake in. Um, and like I said, I know when it was announced, I, I promptly reminded you, well, Jake, you said you're never going to see another Paul McCartney show ever again. And you said, this is the exception. This is different. <laughs> this is different. They baited me and I went for it. You went for it. Um, yeah. So I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm glad that you're so excited for Sunday. Um, hopefully it can live up to all your expectations um, and it's a it's a lifetime experience for you and your family and um, yeah, hopefully the the nearest officers are going to be able to restrain you uh, when your p- pants come flying off yeah one can only hope um 
Yeah. So, um, you know, that's the big news right now. I'm kind of getting ready for that on Sunday. However, there was a article that came out today um, in Baltimore Banter, um, specifically talking about some legal challenges that, you know, the Orioles are facing. Uh, We'll be right back and we'll talk about that. Scott, before we get into a discussion of any legal matters that may or may not be taking place, I do want to address the fact that we are talking about an article that was written on the Baltimore banner. On the banner. Is the banner at this point scooping other news sites in uh, its infancy? I, it kind of looks that way. I mean, how else would you call it? I'm just... I I'm... Uh, impressed is a strong word. I'm I'm surprised, I guess, that this is coming from the banner. And uh, it, it makes me wonder, you know, exactly how much more like this we can expect from that organization. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be uh, very interesting. But um, yeah, I, I think that we're going to see a lot of the local news um, that we have seen other beat writers and or journalists cover. Um, and and walk away from it. Um, so yeah, uh, it's a very interesting time, um, especially with you know the sun continuing to fail upon fail upon fail. Um, obviously, the Baltimore Sun lettering is also coming down at the stadium. Um, yeah. Uh, so I don't know. It's it's just it's interesting. You know, the sun had an opportunity to go and uh, find new ownership, and they decided to go against that. Um, and that wasn't the choice of any of the staff. That was the whole choice of just the purchasing group. Um, but yeah, it's very interesting. It's almost like the talent makes the organization. Can we go back to the lettering for a second? How sure. am I going to know what the official scorer has said? Oh, so uh, this is a good question. And I, I, there hasn't been any you know fully thought out process here. But I think they've there's so many other signs and everything. Like there's there's going to be a way for us to figure this out. There there are enough sponsors that can have both an E and an H in their name? Absolutely. Okay, okay. So we're bearing the lead here. Uh, we want to talk about the story that the banner came out with, which is that, and I'm just going to say it, Louis Angelos, son of Peter, is suing Brother John and his mother, Georgia, for basically a an equal share of control of the team. And there's a lot of what I would call explosive language in this news story. Yeah, that's a, a good way to put it. Um, you know, this article was written by Tim Prudente and Justin Fenton. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of explosive language. And again, this is all from the court proceedings. Um, and again, it, it reads very much like a soap opera um, where you have two brothers fighting, their mother kind of interceding and basically saying, stop that. Um You've got, you know, Brady Anderson involved in there, which, you know, always comes up when, you know, mothers are involved. Um, and then you even got some, you know, country western um, hijinks and, and mischief going on. So, yeah, it, it looks like uh, Louis Angelos is just not happy to have been basically cut out of the organization. Um, and in honesty, the only kind of memory I have of Louis Angelos is kind of partaking, we'll call it partially, in the statue ceremonies in 2012. And that's it. Like, I haven't heard anything else. Like, John has been the figurehead, is the best way to describe it, for many a years now. He had a presence in... You know, do you remember when we used to have a thing called FanFest? I, I do remember FanFest, yeah. He had a presence in some of the uh, fan forums, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But there, there is a tremendous quote in this story that is... Um, it's the one that got my attention. And so I, if you'll allow me to simply read, I, I would appreciate mm-hmm. it. Here's the quote. John intends to main, maintain absolute control over the Orioles, to manage, to sell, or if he chooses, to move to Tennessee, where he has a home and where his wife's career is headquartered, without having to answer to anyone, end quote, according to the lawsuit. Now, when I read this, I I experienced emotions. Yeah. Right? But then I realized 
That language is not accidental. No. That language is intended to incite emotions in the fans. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, obviously, who knows what's going to happen here. But this doesn't pass the sniff test to me. This really does seem like Louis uh, Angelos w- was pushed out of the controlling interest and is doing everything that he can to regain it. Yeah. And is using the language that he knows will get sympathy on the outside. Yeah. I, I think it's an interesting standpoint because obviously like Lou Angeles is obviously throwing, we'll call it a temper tantrum. But the fact of the matter is outside of like ownership of the team, which the family still owns it as a whole, you know, they're still going to in essence get rewarded for any profitability and or when if they choose to sell the team. But one of the big matters of it was in 2020 was Major League Baseball specifically said, we don't know who we need to talk to in addressing matters with the Baltimore Orioles. Like, is it going to be Peter, who's kind of disappeared? Is it going to be Lou? Is it going to be John? We need a name. Like, we need a name who we're going to talk to. We need to know who to name in our lawsuits when we sue you over mass and money. To a certain regard, yes. Like, it's we need to know where to send the letter. Um, so Major League Baseball came back and all the owners kind of agreed John is going to be the at that individual going forward. So it's really weird timing two years later that all of a sudden this has popped up again. And uh, it's like, well, I'm not happy with that. I want to be cut back in. It's just, just very odd. It's just really w- weird timing. It's also odd that it's happening in Baltimore County Circuit Court. Um, I don't know why it's in Baltimore County Circuit Court as opposed to maybe Baltimore City. Um, I'm assuming that's just where they are, where they are living at this given moment. Um, but yeah, very, very interesting. Um, the other whole matter or two is like, I don't know what the ultimate intention here is. I mean, is it just the aspect of like, what is the, if the, if the judge were to rule in favor of Lou Angelos, what is he decreeing? Because it's not so much the aspect of he can't decree. Yes. You need to let Lou Angelos be part of the operations. Cause then he's almost proceeding and basically overruling what major league baseball has already dictated as a private organization, which means that a county court can't do that. You need to go to federal court in order to make that happen. It's just, there's a lot of weirdness with this in terms of the sniff test and the legalese aspect. Like it just doesn't look right is the best way to put it. Yeah. And it's, it's a bummer to, to see, you know, drama like this at at the helm. It kind of makes me, appreciate the fact that there does appear to be autonomy within the baseball operations department at this point, at least as far as baseball operations is concerned. What I will say though, is that 2023 is we're hoping the time when the Orioles are going to need to start opening up the wallet a little bit to support the winning. And they need to get this stuff figured out before that happens. Mm hmm. And they need to start figuring it out um, as they come due with, you know, obviously stadium leasing. You know, they can extend it one more time for five years. Um, but there is still this kind of stadium leasing um, over the entire thing. Now, obviously, the state of Maryland is funneling money into Camden Yards. Um, it just, again, I I don't want to call this a nothing story because there's obviously stuff that is occurring in the background and there is, it, it passed the sniff test to a certain regard of certain things. It makes sense why Michael Elias and John would have fired Brady Anderson. Um, it makes sense that John would have wanted to take kind of a more proactive stance. Um, it makes sense even just the standpoint of, Hey, you know, if his wife is running a national music standpoint, why not help to promote certain talent that basically benefits his wife? All things that are very common stance within a business. Um, so again, there's nothing that's like shocking in here to me in terms of like the major like it's more more of a reaffirmation of what we've kind of talked about in the background. Just like you know, the Orioles cut the power in order to preserve the streak for Cal Ripken. Clearly, clearly, clearly. Um, but yeah, like I said, um, I I don't see much coming out of this. I think it's it's nice tabloid, but it's just like you said. It's to kind of 
rile up the fans. And I would say there are certain individuals that are more simple in approach um, that have basically got into this and say, yeah, this is why you need to sell the team, John P. Angelus. And it's just like, why does he need to sell the team based off of these these instances? Like, there's nothing in here that is truly scandalous that John P. Angelus has done. I think one thing is clear. As long as Fort McHenry guards Baltimore Harbor, so too will there be drama in the Angelos family. I cannot wait for the British to come back and bomb Pearl Harbor just to basically allow the Orioles to leave. Pearl Harbor? I mean, not Pearl Harbor. Uh, the Germans? Forget it. He's rolling. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, interesting story. Not going to make a big deal of it. A um, lot of confirmation off of, we'll call it, talk in the background. Um, but yeah, just interesting to see the Angelos continue to fight. I do think that ultimately it is setting up for a sell is the best way to put it. Like you take a look at Masson um, and all the issues that they're having from a financial standpoint with Masson. You look at this family drama that's occurring. It's the wheels are in motion as it were is the best way to put it. And I know that John probably doesn't want to do it, but if mom wants to do it, brother wants to do it. He doesn't want to do it. Eventually this is all going to get worked out eventually. So, I mean, Scotty, I'm I'm a little light uh, on the $1.375 billion that Forbes has estimated uh, the Orioles' value to be. And it'll go for more than that. I mean, how, how am I going to be able to afford to buy the Orioles? And I come back to this whole standpoint of, I don't know who's going to buy the Orioles. Like, people keep saying, oh, well, Cal Ripken should put... Cal Ripken doesn't have enough money, number one. And again, this... Uh, somebody with a local interest? Sure. Paul McCartney. <laughs> yeah. Can I ask you a question? If uh, Paul McCartney walked out on stage on Sunday and said, I just want to announce that I've bought the Baltimore Oils, what would Jake English do? Um, it wouldn't be clean. No. And it wouldn't be good. No, it would uh, not be clean, and it would not be good. But, yeah, again, uh, we've talked about this before on the podcast. Um, I don't think people realize how much money that is. Uh, and I also don't think people realize how little, um, we'll call it, millionaires and billionaires are present in the Baltimore metropolitan area, um, which is why, like, John, uh, that Peter Angelos had to go out and solicit other individuals outside the Baltimore metropolitan area when he first bought the team um, back in the 90s. So I don't know. It's very interesting. It's very intriguing. Um, nothing that's too shocking to me, but just it reads like a soap opera is the best way to put it. Well, uh, that is pretty dramatic, but Scotty, nothing matches the drama that is Fantasy Boss. Let's take a quick break and come back and talk all about the harrowing, harrowing week that was in Fantasy Boss. That was really underwhelming, honestly. I mean, I'm glad that I won, and I'm glad I'm now winning two to one. But I feel like, I feel like to a certain regard, this week has a major asterisk on it. Yeah, it's crap. I mean, Keegan Aiken four innings pitch. I think that's a pretty good, you know, outing for mm-hmm. a week. Is mm-hmm. the best way to put it. But I do feel like I got a little bit lucky with Joey Crable going on the IL. Yeah, it was a really great pick until it wasn't. It was a really great pick until it wasn't. So. Um, I'm going to take this asterisk. I'm going to polish it up into a two. And um, (laughs) we're going to move on past this. I like it. It's a good approach. Um, So my choice for this week um, is going to go with barrel percentage. This is easy. This is easy. So barrel percentage is basically looking at hard hit balls and whether a ball is basically hit at a certain exit velocity and at a certain angle in order to be considered a barrel. So, Jake, who are you going with in terms of barrel percentage 
on the Baltimore Orioles for this upcoming week. Okay. This is not my pick. Okay. But I really feel like it's got to be Adley Rutschman. <laughs> uh, going with the Scott Magnus treatment of like he's eventually got to break through. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm not going to go uh, with that player. I'm going to go with Mountcastle. Okay. So Mountcastle is a, is a great choice. Um, definitely been barreling the ball up lately. You know, I think if we're going chalk, it's got to either be Trey Mancini mm-hmm. or Austin Hayes. Sure. Trey Mancini, Austin Hayes. Which all-star am I going to pick? You know, I'm going to go with the individual who has continued to whack the ball the entire season and has put up probably some of the highest uh, ex-boba and barrel um, in Major League Baseball. I'm going to go with Boom Boom and hope that he kind of delivers on chalk for me. But again, I certainly, you know what? I thought you were going to choose Trey Mancini, and I was actually going to go with Mario Mountcastle this week because uh, I'm like, in a classic Jake English move, that's someone that probably would not win, and he will win this week. <laughs> <laughs> Here's hoping. Here's yeah. hoping. All right. Well, we will see if it's Trey Mancini or Ryan Mountcastle with barrel percentage, and we will see who owns it. With that, let's figure out who is good, who is bad, and who is ugly this week in Birdland. That's right, it's time again for the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'll go ahead and get started. This week, my good, we just talked about him, is Ryan Mountcastle. Ryan Mountcastle had a 183 weighted runs created plus, which, by the way, is pretty good. Mountcastle did a whole lot for us this past week, but the thing that made him an outlier were two things. Um, with as impressive a week as he had, he did all of that while only posting a 133 BABIP. And he also was an outlier in the fact that he had an 8.3 K percentage. I thought those those two things were very interesting. Basically, it means that even though he had a 183 weighted runs created plus, he was a little unlucky with the batted uh, balls in play. And uh, unlike most of his uh, teammates, the K rate way down. Mine is going to go to someone that we don't get generally to talk about too much because he's not appearing in, we'll call it clutch appearances, but I think he deserves a call out at this point of the season. Mine's going to go to go Dylan Tate. I think Dylan Tate had a nice week this week, um, came in for two games, but this is more of a, a general aspect of looking at the entire season. But again, in those two games, pitched two and a third. So that means he came in early before an inning and then basically pitched again. Um, 11.57 Ks per nine, 3.86 walks per nine. Dylan Tate's had a really interesting year where it's kind of been this weird fluctuation of velocity issues. Um, but again, some really good movements through the strike zone um, and really mix, mixing up his pitch arsenal really well. So um, I still don't think Dylan Tate is a great reliever, but I think he's an above average reliever. Um, so Dylan Tate um, is, you know, helping to solidify and make that Orioles bullpen who they are today. Um, and again, he kind of, kind of goes unrecognized is the best way to describe it. So Dylan Tate is my good for the week. I think it's a great call out. And my confidence has definitely gone up. When I see Dylan Tate come into a game, I feel a lot better about it than I used to. Yep. All right. My bad for this week is going to go to short inning starts. And we've seen a few. I mean, Braddish the other night with the four and two thirds innings, unable to, to qualify for the win. We saw Kramer come in and get that 4.1 innings uh, in a start. And Wells with a four inning start. I would really like to see some more length out of our starters. I'm over the short inning starts. This is something I whined constantly about last year. I'm over it. It's not a good look. Yeah. And I mean, I, 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 I can kind of agree with that. I mean, um, this is what we can't see happen. We can't see short inning starts because it starts to wane on the bullpen. Um, and you're going to start to see issues pop up. I'm not so mad about Kramer. I mean, four and a third from Kramer. Uh, honestly, that's not bad coming back from from an IL start. Bradish actually is going to be my bad again this week. And again, I still think we have to keep throwing Bradish out there, keep getting him experience. But Bradish continues to be, we'll call it not great. Um, you know, he is posting a 9.64 case per nine. 
3.86. Um, I'm sorry, I'll take that back. 9.64 Ks per nine, 9.64 walks per nine, which actually aligns with what I was thinking, which is he has not been great with his control and command. Um, yes, he's able to be deceptive in some instances, but command-wise, he's not good. If we look at over the past 30 days, again, 11.39 Ks per nine, 4.23 walks per nine. Way too high of a walk rate. Yes, he's getting hit by the Babip Dragon a little bit with 368. But again, even from a home run per fly ball percentage, 33.3% doesn't fly. Well, it actually does fly for, for other batters. That's the problem. That's the problem. Um, so Kyle Bradish has to figure it out. He has to get better control of his pitches. He needs to stop letting you know balls fly across the plate. Um, I, I hate to pull out a palmerism, but it's actually a very appropriate. Bradish just has the stuff. He needs to learn how to pitch is the best way to put it. And the only way he's going to learn how to pitch is be by being up here and taking examples from folks um, and learning how to pitch to major league, major league batters. So Bradish is my bad right now. Um, and I'll be interested to continue to watch him to see if he's able to approve. But he's got to get better with mixing up his pitches. And he's got to get better with knowing when to place a pitch and when to be aggressive and when not to be aggressive. I mean, in his last start, I, I watched that game pretty intently he was missing spots oh, left left and, and right. right yeah it's it's been it's it's classic you know missing it off by three or four inches it's just like you can't do that like they you know you where you need to hit it you can be off slightly but it can't float back up into the middle part of the zone um and again we see that with the walk rate and even if it doesn't show up in the walk rate it's showing up in the hard hit ball category too all right my ugly for this week is going to be the offensive results that we're seeing with Adley Rutschman. And, you know, we've had the discussion at nauseum at this point. No, I'm not worried. No, I don't think he should be sent to the minors. No, 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 no. But I'm really tired of having the conversation, and I'm bummed that it's not working out better for him yet. He had a negative 50 weighted runs creative plus this week. He had an 091 BABIP, and we, we talked about that a little bit. And despite the fact that, you know, when he's at the plate, and I and I have confidence about the fact that he knows where the zone is and he's going to have a good at, you know good at bat. The twenty nine point four K percentage is not exactly a, a supporting argument for that. So I'm bummed about the results that we're getting. But again, I think it's only a matter of time. Yeah. So my ugly for the week is going to have to go to logical fallacies. Um, there is a immense amount of logical fallacies that popped up. Uh, with the Grace Rodriguez injury, um, clearly um, Grace Rodriguez would not have had this injury if he would have been brought up to the majors, um, if he would have been pitching in Baltimore, if Michael Elias wouldn't have been manipulating him for service time, if the moon wouldn't have been a crescent shape as opposed to a full moon, um, if um, back in the uh, late 19th century, um, if there wasn't a fire within the great city of Baltimore um, that caused um, havoc and um, caused a, a massive issue, um, Baltimore would be a greater infrastructure area. And by doing so, we would have had a better medical care for Grayson Rodriguez going forward. Um, and clearly this is all Mike Elias's fault, um, for doing all these things that would have potentially destroyed, um, Grayson Rodriguez's career. So yes, I understand being frustrated. I understand being concerned about Grayson Rodriguez, but to be angry and to blame, um, someone like Mike Elias, <laughs> On this one, it just makes no sense to me. You can blame Michael Elias for a lot of other things in terms of why didn't you go out and sign some free agents? Um, what are you doing um, to basically, you know, further um, in enhance other aspects in terms of basically, you know, making sure that, you know, our, you know, farm system is not top heavy, as it were. Um, why do we have so many outfield prospects? Um, all those kind of conversations are perfectly legitimate. Um, but to say... Uh, this is Michael Ice's fault or the Orioles' fault for having Grayson Rodriguez get hurt. No, this is just an aspect of individuals that throw 98 miles per hour um, have a tendency to have lat injuries more so than individuals like John Means who are throwing at 92 to 93 miles per hour. Um, and it's just part of the game, unfortunately. Um, again, you look at other players um, who have had lat injuries and they you know, have come back very well. Again, I'm glad it was a grade two as opposed to a grade three. Um, but again, we look can look at someone like Luis Severino, for example, um, and say there is a definite potential for a player to come back 
and be very dominant. So again, it's frustrating. Um, it makes me kind of question what 2023 is truly going to look like. Um, but ultimately, Grace Rodriguez is going to be a pivotal part of the Baltimore Orioles franchise for years to come. I'm a little surprised to hear people say that this is Michael Elias' fault. And the reason I say that is because the legal team of Lou Angelos <laughs> has told me that this is actually John Angelos' fault and that this is uh, this is something that we can hold him responsible for. That's that's a valid point. That's a valid point. Ah, uh, well, with that, um, why don't we go ahead and uh, take a quick break, and uh, why don't we go ahead and blow the save? We talked about it earlier on in the program. The All-Star Game is approaching. And that means something very specific here at Bird's Eye View. And that is that the bevies are also right around the corner. That is right. It is the bevies. Our mid-season awards show will be upcoming, uh, you know, right around the All-Star break. And it, it made me wonder, you know, what are our listeners, what are they looking for? What 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 is it this year that we can provide that uh, that would hit that spot? So, listeners, I'm I'm asking you, uh, you know, when it comes to the bevies, feel free to recommend a category. The worst thing that we can say is is no. Uh, you know what? Uh, uh, what members of the great Birdosphere content creators? Uh, you know, do you want to see uh, take part in in the bevies? We want to make sure that this is as much a community event as anything else. Scotty, the other thing with the bevies is I had a had a rather embarrassing discussion with my oldest child um, this week. Uh, somehow we got onto the discussion of the fact that the bevies were right around the corner, and this was this is Max yeah. and Max sees you know bevies written, and they go, "Oh, bevies, B E V, birds." Are, oh, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. I was like, "What are you talking about?" And they said, well, I just thought it was like a name, like Bevies. Yeah. I was like, are you kidding me? And they said, no, well, you have to understand, like, I was a very little kid when this started. So, uh, like, I had no reason to, to think it was that. They bring up a valid point. But then I started to worry, like, is that evident to the listeners? Yes. That it's Bevies because it's B-E-V? Yes. Is that it? That's an obvious thing. Is it? Yes. Okay. If it's not obvious to anyone listening, I need you to tweet at us and validate my oldest child. Validate, um, validate Jake here. Yeah, please, please validate Jake. So the bevies are coming. Uh, it'll be sometime in July. We'll have a date for you soon. But I have to start tuning up my voice. <laughs> oh dear lord! Oh dear lord! Yep, it's going to be great this year. And that that is our show. Remember that you can find this in our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Birdseyeview is available for download wherever you get your podcast. Man, what was in this mule? Um, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. Please remember to rate and review the show. We appreciate the feedback, and it encourages other people to listen for the first time, including the bevies. Come and get social with us. You can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can find us all over social media. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok. By the way, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to bust open the TikTok for the first time at the Paul McCartney concert. Probably. Uh, but the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at birdseyeviewbal. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you all a fond adieu adieu. Good night, Baltimore. We can work it out, and let's go O's. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go!